0: Welcome, everyone. We have with us today Ruth Perkins-Lee, who's the Director of Ministries for CBF Global. Um, Besides being just all around an awesome person and, okay, without a doubt, probably the best person on staff at CBF Global, uh, she (laughs) brings uh, awesome leadership to um, various areas, including the sabbatical fund, um, which we'll get to here in a little bit, uh, peer learning groups, which will be the main focus of our conversation today, uh, reference and referral uh, she also makes general assembly happen. So if you're ever there and you're seeing that person running around with the headset on, looking like they're taking this on like a boss, that's that's Ruth, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> so without further ado, welcome, Ruth. Thanks. But yes. tell us a little bit more about what you do.
1: Yeah, so um, I work with Craig Janey in reference and referral as uh, he seeks to help ministers and churches find each other, as well as create resources um, for that process. Uh, And then around the sabbatical initiative, I work with several great people as we are seeking to create a culture of sabbatical in our churches and provide resources. Um, One of those pieces would be sabbatical fund where churches can um, invest money to offer their minister sabbatical um, some of them are documents that the churches would need in order to create such a program uh, and then resources as to what you can do while you're gone. Um, I do work with assembly and enjoy working with worship and business might not be as exaggerated as Andy just said, but thanks. Um, and then I work with the ministries council um, that relates to the ministries um, division of CBF as we seek to continue to work uh, across our churches and across the fellowship itself,
0: okay, just so we 're clear there was no exaggerations. you do take general assembly on like a boss, so <laughs> Receiveth the compliment. Well, so we are the recipients of your good leadership uh, for that event so well, anyways well uh oh, good grief <laughs> <laughs> we've uh we've often talked about before and and it's it's talked about uh, much in in ministerial circles that. Uh, ministry is uh, a very lonely place. It is mm-hmm. um, a very difficult vocation to live into, and uh, this, the statistics are staggering. Just the burnout rate of ministers, uh, the age of which they burn out, uh, and the reasons uh, behind that, uh, not necessarily, or um, all things can be prevented, because everything is obviously circumstantial, but... For many, they miss out on some key pieces um, that could prevent uh, burnout in and, and a number of ways. And one of those ways is by surrounding themselves with healthy community, of uh, fellow mentors who, who build them up. And th- I know this is a passion of yours um, and obviously a, a great responsibility that, that you help lead with CBF. So tell us a little bit about peer learning groups and, and what that looks like.
1: Yeah, sure. So I was in a peer learning group when I was on church staff. Um, I served on a church staff for 10 and a half years in the area of youth and college and was invited by somebody I kind of knew in another city to come and participate in a peer learning group of youth ministers. Um, I, everybody else was solely youth ministry and I was predominantly youth ministry. So um, I began going into these meetings and getting to know this group of friends and appreciated uh, just the time and the laughter and the meal that we shared every month. And then we set up one time that the next time we would talk talk about curriculum and how we structured curriculum. I'd been at the church probably a year or so and had gotten to a place um, where I had taught everything I had written or learned in seminary and was now beginning to look for something else to do and was really proud of myself for having come up with a four-week lesson plan um, and was moving in that direction for both youth and college. And so four weeks out, I knew what we were going to do, and I felt really great about that. And then I walked into that meeting, and when the convener said, who wants to go first? To this day, I'm eternally grateful that I didn't speak. Another one of the youth ministers who had been at his church for like 20 years said, well, we actually function under a six-year arc of curriculum. So that as you come through uh, in youth ministry, we know that you're going to have a year on baptism and a year on faith formation and a year on and not that everything has to do with that, but the teachings were around that. And all I could think was, I don't, I don't really even understand what he's saying. Uh, so peer learning groups for me were a really great time to hear what seasoned ministers were doing and how they had structured their ministries. Um, so I am deeply appreciative for the challenge um, and for the education that my peer learning group gave me. Um, we, we're seeking to create uh, groups that are educational, that are fellowship, that are worship, um, that can offer support to ministers um, in whatever setting they are in. Well,
0: let's just be honest. That guy's there twenty years. I mean, he had to be reusing something, you know. Like a, <laughs> like a minister never reuses technically, uh, and just realizing this is audio podcast, and I just did the air quotation marks, uh, you know, read the sermon, but. It, yeah, I, I get that. It's you know, there's something, um a sense of affirmation and a sense of challenge that I've discovered too in my peer learning groups. Um, you know, it, it's easy to get together with a group of people and it just become a, a sob and complain fest of everything yeah. wrong with our congregations and wrong with our roles and wrong, especially for an associate role, wrong with a senior pastor. Um, but one of the things our group covenanted to do uh was to not, not be that to each other, uh but to uh you know, lovingly challenge each other to see things from a different perspective. Um, and that's something that's not afforded to every minister as they sometimes do, do things alone. So h- how does one join a peer yeah. learning group? What What does that process look like?
1: Yes, yeah, so it's a pretty easy process. If you're interested in joining one that's already formed, you can just email us at plg at cbf.net. And we have four amazing regional directors that work with us that cover the fellowship and are in tune with what groups are meeting where and what they're doing um, and whether or not they're accepting new members. So that would be the best place to start. If there's not one in your area um, or if you don't want to join one that's already in process, or if you have a group of friends that wants to do that, let us know. Um, the easiest way to form a peer learning group is to get five people together. They do not all have to be in the same ministry setting or in the same area. They do not all have to be CBF. That. That's our ideal, but we do have some groups who have four or five CBF pastors and the Episcopalian priest in town. Um, you go online uh, to the Peer Learning Group page on the website, and you'll see a quick and easy link that asks all the information. So when you are signing up for a Peer Learning Group, we want to know what you're, what you're doing, what is it that you plan to do, and how often you want to meet who exactly is in your group. And at the same time, you're filling out that application to be a peer learning group. You're also applying for the grant. So every peer learning group has the opportunity for a $500 grant throughout the year. you can use those for a lot of different things. We have some groups that pay for their lunches every month that way. We have some groups that pay for a retreat, uh, some groups that bring in a speaker or buy books or attend conferences together. Uh, there's a pretty wide range of stuff that you can use your grant for.
0: I think probably one of the most interesting, um, ways I've heard of people using their grants. There was a group, I think it was based out in North Carolina. Here's where I heard the story. Um, they basically decided they loved Brian D McLaren so much that they wanted to use their grant and matching grant they received from CBF North Carolina to have two hours with him and, you know, use that grant to pay for his time with him. It's a pretty, pretty unique experience. Um, so what are some of the criteria that people have to uh, fit in order to start a group or to be a part of a group?
1: Yeah, there's not much criteria. Um, if there are five of you, so great. we're finding that peer can mean a bunch of different things. So peer can mean that you're the same area of ministry. So for example, all church starters or all youth ministers or all urban preachers. Peer can also mean that you're in the same area geographically. So you can all get to lunch easily um, so some peer learning groups are all different ministers who can, or who are living in the same area. Um, sometimes we have peer learning groups that are forming, like out of the fellows program, out of seminaries, they've been in a cohort. We'd love to see a church start peer learning group come about. If church starters were in a cohort together or have made connections, um, there are a bunch of different possibilities as to how you can get a group together.
0: One of the things I hear you saying is that um, diversity adds to the health of the of the peer learning group. Um, you know, so what are some of the best practices um, or healthy habits that uh, some of these peer learning groups have shared with you uh, that make for a better experience for the group and for an individual?
1: Yeah, one of the things you actually mentioned early, earlier about what you, your group had agreed to do, and we find that the most effective peer learning groups have an understanding. A covenant with each other on how the groups are going to function. So today I read um, an application for the grant that they realized that they were doing more of the support than they wanted to, and they wanted to move to more continuing ed. So um, some of the things that they had done, they had picked the same book um, and had worked through several pieces of the book. Um, they had, I thought it was interesting. They had picked TED topics that they were, that they had agreed to listen to and watch before they arrived and then had focused discussions around those. We have some, like you said, who bring Brian McLaren in. We have some who um, attend a workshop or a conference all together so that they have a shared experience outside of their group, um, and it gives them basis to have conversation. Our most famous peer learning group, I would say, is Preacher Camp. Um, they meet the first week of August. They rent a house at the lake, um, take their families, and do an intensive time of sermon preparation for the entire upcoming year, um, and also spend dedicated time to their family. One of the ways Preacher Camp works, and I think it could actually apply to a bunch of different groups, is um, they assign sections of the church calendar um, out among the group, and then you prep those texts. So when you get together for Preacher Camp, you might be presenting Easter, and I might be presenting Lent. Um, So you get a dedicated time of preparation. My favorite story is that uh, Don Flowers in Providence, um, outside of Charleston on uh, Daniel Island, preached an Easter series using zombies. And what you need to know about Don is that he hates zombies. He won't watch The Walking Dead. He won't be in the same room when it's on. But he preached about zombies because Jim Somerville did his preparation for preacher camp on Easter using zombies. Um, And I asked Donna, I said, how many of you preached on what you prepped this past year? And after he thought about it for a few minutes, he said, actually, none of us, everything that was prepped got preached on, but not by the person preparing it. Mm-hmm. And he said, the reason we gather is because it brings different voices into the pulpit. Um, it brings ideas that we would not have come up with on our own. He said, we stay in contact um, every week uh, through Facebook and social media. Um, Don actually found out about the shootings in Charleston last year in his town, From another, from Amy Butler, I believe, who sent him a text asking how they were doing Mm -hmm. um, and that she had hurt. So they're so connected with each other. Um, They're keeping each other informed about their lives and their church throughout the year through social media. Um, and text and email, but they only meet once a year. So there are different ways that you can connect. The best ones, the most effective ones we found are those groups that are intentional, um, that seek a common goal, that agree upon the resources that they want to do.
0: Based on what you're saying, it sounds like there's a good uh, amount of diversity and a good number of peer learning groups in the fellowship. How many peer learning groups do we have?
1: We have about 120 active peer learning groups. Groups um, across the fellowship. There, a lot of them are meeting in local churches. Some of them are meeting in restaurants. And what we're finding is that they're able to be a support to each other, no matter the geographical locations. So we've had some communities. Um, where all the PLG members are from the same community, which has been extremely helpful um, in various settings when there's tragedy in the community, when there's something to celebrate in the community, they already have common language and the bonds that are needed in order to address um, tragedy and change um, and to be able to celebrate what is happening in their community. That is great. Uh, We're also finding that for example, the youth ministry, um, PLGs that are meeting, that are attending conferences together, are learning from each other in their various settings um, and helping each other grow and think and dream beyond what each individual youth minister is coming up with.
0: You know, I hear you talk about the groups, especially the groups that are uh, in the same community together. It's um, I can imagine lead to a lot of healthy resolution, like you're saying, with especially some of the conflicts uh, we're seeing across the nation right now. But I also think about um, church service like Michael Mills, who's in Spokane, Washington, uh, or Jeremy Richards, who's journeying in the process with us to start a church in Portland, Oregon. Um, There's not a lot of CBF churches in the West, let alone in their area. You know, so what would you recommend to someone like that, Uh, someone who is, uh, you know, geographically a great distance away from others?
1: We have several groups that are meeting via technology. Um, One group that just started their PLG are all pastors in their first call, and they have a connection to the seminary that they all attended even though they weren't all there at the same time. And one's in Texas, one's in South Carolina, some of them are in South Carolina, some are in North Carolina, one's on up towards the DC area, and they meet via technology. We ask if you meet via technology that you have at least one meeting in person every year. And we've got some groups that do that meeting at General Assembly. So they agree to share a dinner time or a lunchtime or a breakfast or part of an afternoon together. Uh, but they're They're Skyping in or Zooming in or Google Hangouts um, and are really having good success in their conversations uh, since they can't all be in the same place.
0: One of the other ways that provides um, health and revitalization, not only to uh, pastors, but also to their churches, is the sabbatical initiative, uh, which you lead. When I think about a sabbatical fund um, for churches, especially Church Starts, I can imagine that it's hard to think very early on about the importance of that and to make that a priority. What do you communicate to churches on making that a priority? What do you communicate to them on how to, how to even start from scratch with something like that?
1: That's a really good question. There are several um, elements to the sabbatical initiative. One is the sabbatical fund, which gives a church an opportunity to invest uh, money for a sabbatical. So one of the recommendations that we make is if you have agreed to pay 52 weeks a year of salary, then consider paying 53 and that extra week goes into the sabbatical fund. And then after five years, you've got five weeks worth of salary um, to choose what you want to do with it. So it could be that you give it to the minister, but the money belongs to the church. So the church can decide to give it to the minister or use it to pay interims or supply preachers Um, another piece of this is honestly just getting it established in the church helping churches to see that you can help your minister if you offer them a sabbatical sabbaticals lead to longer tenures for ministers and churches they lead to healthier tenures uh, for ministers and churches so there's benefit not only to the minister but also to the congregation
0: Yeah, I I had a conversation (laughs) with some fellow ministers before, and when they started the process, the response to them from their congregation was, you know, from some people was, well, I don't get a sabbatical. You know what? Why should we give you a sabbatical? So besides the obvious, why is it so important for ministers and churches to experience a sabbatical? And how often should they do?
1: Harold Phillips uh, from CBF Heartland works with us on this sabbatical initiative, and he had a conversation with a congregation that, one of the members was talking about it and I don't see the need for sabbatical until the minister really explained. And I think even invited him to go to one of those middle of the night calls where you go and you sit with a family and you spend time with them. Um, You're at the bedside or you're there when they're told Um, these, these very meaningful spiritual experiences that can deplete us pretty quickly Part of what we're explaining to churches is you're right. Not everybody gets a sabbatical. It is helpful for ministers who are on the clock 24 hours a day, who even may spend part of their vacation times coming back for funerals um, or major church meetings. It is helpful for the church and for the minister to have a separation time period for both to grow. We don't want churches to become solely dependent on the personality of the pastor we want the church to continue to grow in leadership and in function. And we want the minister to have a chance uh, to learn. So there are not many ministers who get a bunch of Sundays off to go learn at other churches. So it is hard when you're preaching every Sunday or when you're teaching a class every Sunday for you to leave and intentionally go experience church somewhere else. Much like peer learning groups where you grow Uh, interacting with each other. We believe that ministers need the opportunity not only to step away from the church, but to go and learn and experience. What is the church down the street in my community doing? Or what is a church that's similar size to mine in another city or state doing?
0: I love that conversation. You know, it's like the, uh, the age old go to go with mommy to work day or go with daddy to work day. Instead for ministers be like, it's take your church member to work day. So you can experience what we experience and to see, why this is so important to us. I think we should create some sort of promotional material around that to really sell the sabbatical. I
1: think it's a great idea.
0: This is a pretty exciting time knowing that a sabbatical initiative is, is growing, um, that peer learning groups we continue to add those each year. Um, so what's next for, for both of these initiatives?
1: Peer learning groups, were pretty excited. The Lilly grant that CBF has received, a million dollars around financial literacy. Um, working both with ministers for debt relief and financial education as well as congregations and financial literacy. Uh, Peer learning groups is a part of that grant. Uh, So we will be giving additional grants for groups that are studying financial literacy. So it could mean that you bring in a financial planner for your group. It could mean that you uh, invest in resources for your group for education. It could mean that you attend an event for financial literacy. We're discovering that Ministers don't have a pretty extensive knowledge of financial literacy as ministers, and it's pretty complicated. So in addition to your $500 grant, if you're studying financial literacy over the next three years, you're eligible for a one-time grant um, to add on top of your $500. So that information will be rolling out in August and September. Um, We're also having more conversations around resources having to do with race and conversations around race in your community. And in your church. So both of these are meaningful and very needed and necessary conversations. You can still choose whatever track of education you want for your group and still be eligible for the $500. But these are the two areas right now that we're focusing on. As for sabbatical, we've recently done a survey of churches in the fellowship and we will probably continue to survey for the next couple of weeks up to a month and are beginning to look at those results of who in the fellowship actually offers sabbatical, how often are they offered, how long are the sabbaticals, trying at this point to capture really good data so that we can take a temperature on sabbatical and the culture of CBF churches. We're also moving into resource development. There are lots of really great resources already out there. So a good chunk of what we're going to be doing in the next several months, will be curating those resources so that we can share those freely to anybody in the fellowship who would like more information.
0: This is this is all excellent, excellent stuff, um, and I'm just so thankful that you bring great leadership to these initiatives and that we have these initiatives uh, available for for all the ministers and churches as part of the fellowship. Where's the best place for people to find out more information about both the peer learning groups and the sabbatical initiative?
1: The easiest way is through email. You can email sabbatical at cbf.net, or you can email plg at cbf.net.
0: That was really simple. <laughs>
1: Yes, we try to make it easy.
0: Rui, thank you so much for your time with us today. Uh, I know it's very valuable, and we're so grateful for your leadership uh, for CBF and all that you do. I'm grateful for your friendship um, and the opportunity to work alongside you.
1: I'm grateful, Andy, for your work around church starters, and I'm truly grateful for the church starters. Uh, I think they offer us a unique perspective uh, in the fellowship and the ways that they approach church and culture and the innovations that they have and their sense of, um, being entrepreneurs. I think there's a lot for us to learn, um, in the established church from what church starters have to offer. Um, and I am truly grateful.
0: Thanks for joining this church starts conversation for more information about church starting and other initiatives about the cooperative Baptist fellowship, visit cbf.net.